I'm holding up a $20 bill. This is my wife's $20, which makes it even that much more precious to me because it is now in my possession. A country is only as strong as its currency. When a currency is high, then the country is strong and the country is doing well economically. The strongest country in the world, the most powerful currency in the world is the United States dollar. And the reason for that is because every major country and every major company in the world trades by using the U.S. dollar. In other words, if you have a country that is in Sweden and it wants to trade with Japan, it uses the American dollar to do that trade. Every major country and company in the world uses the dollar to trade. Not only that, but the other reason why the American dollar is the strongest currency in the world is because every other currency is measured against the United States dollar. Whether it's stronger or weaker, it all is compared to the American dollar. And that's why America is a strong country economically and socially and all those other things that you want to put in there. That's uh, why so many people want to come and live in this country and so forth. And the reason why I'm talking about all of this is because if a country is only as strong as its currency, I started to, to think about that analogy spiritually. In other words, what is the currency of heaven? What makes the kingdom of God strong and valuable? I was reminded this week of exactly what the currency of heaven is. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. So we're going to launch us off. We're going to look at the, the, the uh, first one little verse in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 16. The Bible says there that God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. I was reminded this week that the currency of heaven is love because God is love. The pure essence of who God is can be best described in our finite language. It could be best described in this one word, love. Love is what makes heaven, God's kingdom, strong and valuable. When we live in love, John says, then we live in God and God lives in us. In other words, when we are living in love, we are using now the currency of heaven. 
Because love it was, is what makes the kingdom of God strong and valuable. And so I want to look at with you. I know we uh, love is a subject, obviously, that people say, okay, we're going to find out about love. But I think it's so critical that we do this often to remind us because why? Because God is love. And it is the currency of the kingdom of heaven. So we can never exhaust talking about love. Because, and, and we want to do it from a biblical perspective. A biblical perspective. Because John said, whoever lives in love. So what does living in love look like from a biblical perspective and so that we can look at that and examine that and then determine am I living in love and so we begin in first John in chapter 4 this time we're going to go to verse 7 and 8 listen to uh, as the uh, the writer uh, the, John talks about in verse 7 dear friends let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. So, living now in love... The Apostle John now begins by telling us that living in love means that we are to love one another. So that's the first thing we want to look at in a practical sense. Living in love means loving one another. And of course, John was referencing uh, the actual words of the Lord, his commandment to his disciples back in uh, the gospel of John in chapter uh, 13, two verses, verse 34 and 35. Jesus talking to his followers. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So no, notice that living in love means loving one another. Loving one another affirms or proves that we are in fact the followers of Jesus Christ. In other words, coming to church in and of itself does not prove you are a child of God. It does not prove that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Calling yourself Christians does not prove, it does not affirm that you are in fact a child of God, a follower of Jesus Christ. No, it, Jesus himself laid it out that the, the world will prove, the world will affirm that you and I are in fact the children of God, followers of Jesus Christ based on one thing and one thing alone, and that is loving one another. Peter said this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, most important of all, Continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sin. Love covers a multitude of sin. 
Let's make it the comparison and the analogy into a, the church life. The reason why we are commanded by the Lord to love one another is so that the world will know that we are his followers. And now Peter now uh, helps us and expounds upon that, that love is what actually covers a multitude of sins. And what that means in a practical sense is when we gather as a church family, we all realize very quickly that we are a family full of faults. Look at all my family here. Boy, you guys are a mess. I see all kind of faults all over the place. And yet, isn't it amazing how the one place in this world that everybody expects perfection is the church? When you come to church, if you're honest, you don't expect anybody to fail in church. You have incredibly high standard for every usher that walks. And that usher, I'm expect that usher better have a smile on, on his or her face. That usher better be warm. That usher better be kind. And then that usher better treat me like I'm the president that just walked in or the queen that just walked in. And then when I take my little Johnny uh, to Christian Ed, mm, Pastor Evelyn, all of those workers, I know that they're going to treat my baby like the angel that that he is. We expect perfection in church. Yet the church is full of imperfect people. So how are we going to survive without killing one another? Love. Because love covers a multitude of sin. In other words, it overlooks faults. Love is what looks at Pastor Joey and say, all right. He ain't all that, but, you know, all right. But he takes care of my, my teens, my, my, my teenager. And so, even though he's not perfect, I appreciate him. I'm not going to look at the things that are imperfect in his life. I choose. See, love chooses to say, I see the fault but I'm not going to see the fault. I see the imperfection, but I'm not going to see the imperfection. I'm not going to tell everybody in this church how Pastor Jason treats me during the week. The staff knows already. Yep. <laughs> Love covers a multitude of sin. What makes being part of a church valuable? What makes a church strong? You're talking using the language in the in the essence of it's it's a currency of a of a nation or a country that makes it strong or makes it valuable to want to be a part of that country. So what makes church valuable? What makes church strong? Isn't that when you walk in, you feel you've arrived home? Isn't it the overwhelming sense that you are loved what keeps you here? I believe it is. I know that's what first drew me to church. I came in with, with, with a ton of baggage, and yet people still loved on me. People still embraced me and accepted me for where I was at in life and all of my faults 
and just began to love on me. Love, brothers and sisters, is the currency of heaven. We cannot have a strong church without love. We cannot have a place that's valued by others when there's the absence of love in it, you see. It is the, pra the practice and the presence of love that draws people and that keeps people part of that family. When you have love, you find that people are embraced even with all their imperfections. It's why for us, the cultivation of love is one of our core, core values. And what the cultivation of love, what that expression means, that phrase means is we want to create atmospheres, whether it's the youth, whether it's the children's, or women's, men's, whatever meetings are taking place in the church, whatever events we do, we want the people who come, who attend to experience love. We cherish love. We see its importance. And that's why it's the commandment. Jesus gave very few commandments. This is one of them. This is the major one. Love one another. Why? Because it creates an atmosphere. It's love that disarms defenses. It's love that tenderizes and prepares the heart for the word of God. You see? Amen. That's what it's all about. Now... I need to add this little critical thought about loving one another. Loving one another begins at home. Yep. Begins at home. I came across these statistics. Did you know that 20 people every minute are physically assaulted at home in this country. Think about that. I've been speaking maybe right for maybe 10 minutes or less than that. In the time I've been speaking, 200 people in this country have been physically abused at home, just in the time that I've been speaking in this nation. And now they're saying that those numbers are escalating because of the pandemic. And they cannot even measure they can't even begin to get a glimpse of what the numbers are like regarding emotional abuse in the home. They're staggering those numbers. And we really need to see something this morning. We need to be reminded. It matters not if you love in the church but don't love at home. What does it matter if you are here and you come in and you hug all of the brothers, brothers hug brothers, sisters hug sisters, but at home nobody's hugging anybody? It's a fallacy to think that we are walking and living in love. Don't tell me that you love the church and you love the brothers and you speak to them, but you won't speak to your siblings. Or to your spouse. Yes. Okay. Loving one another begins at home. We cannot, 
We cannot manifest the love of God in church if the love of God is not in home, at our home. And that's whether it's spouse to spouse, whether it's spouse to children, children to, 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 the, to parents, in other words, excuse me, and parents to children, etc., sibling to sibling. We are in an age where there's an all-out war, spiritual war against the home. And the only way a home could be strong is if a home has love. The only way a home is valued, it's not because of what it costs on the market, it's because of the atmosphere of love within the four walls of that home, you see. We're talking this morning about the currency of heaven. Listen to me now. Because this is so important that we get this. The currency of heaven is worthless everywhere else if it has no value at home. If we don't have strong homes where there is love and love is dealing with the multitude of sin. How many know there's sin at home? There's a lot of faults at home. Just, honey, would you just please stand for a minute, my wife? Would you just please stand, turn around, turn around. Look at this child. She, it, you can tell she has a lot of faults, can't you? You can look at her and say, she's got a lot of faults. But I've been loving on that woman for 43 years. She's the love of my life. See, we've been together 43 years because I don't see the faults. I choose not to see the fault. You see, love is a choice before it's an emotion. You make a decision to say, I am going to love my spouse regardless. I am going to love my children regardless. I am going to honor my parents Regardless, it is a decision that we make. That's why Jesus gave us the commandment. See, it isn't about emotional. I'm not talking about this emotional gooey love. I'm talking about this spiritual supernatural love that begins first and foremost with the decision. I choose to love this person. And part of that love begins with covering their faults and their failures. What happens in marriages and homes? Why is there all-out war? Because everybody's busy uncovering. You uncover my fault, I uncover your fault. And on it goes. To the point where you have this knockdown, drag-out fight, and people wonder, how did it all start? I don't even remember. Yeah, well, I, but that's how it happens. We need to recognize that love is the currency of heaven. And it begins with loving one another, beginning at home and then here in the church. Here's the second thing about loving one another or, and living in love, rather. Living in love, here's what it means also. In addition to loving one another, it means loving the lost. Loving the lost. 
the, the, the anchor verse of the church and the gospel is John 3.16, many believe. And that's why. Because it says, for God so loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone, come on, say everyone with me, everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Let's couple that with Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Listen, Jesus died for you when you were cursing his name. While you cursed his name, while you were living this terrible life, while you were uh, living every uh, a life that a lifestyle that broke every commandment, while you were doing all that, that's when God decided, I'm going to demonstrate my love by sending my son to die for you. Jesus followed the commandment of the Father and went to the cross as a demonstration of the Father's love for you and for me, for everyone, for this world. God so loved the world. That doesn't mean that God loved the sinful system of the world. It means he loved the people of this world. And living in love means loving the lost, those that don't know Christ as their savior. Because we are never more like God than when we love the lost. When we love those who are far from God, who don't know God. See, loving the lost doesn't mean embracing their sin. Loving the lost doesn't mean embracing their lifestyle. We can and we must love the lost person while disagreeing with their lifestyle. Because here's the bottom line. How are the lost going to know that God loves them if not through us? We are his vessels. We are his hands extended. We are his heart extended. And if we do not love the lost, then they will not experience the love of God. And if we want to live in love, and that means we live in God and God lives in us, then when God live, dwells within us, his spirit that dwells within us will begin to move our heart, our compassion, our decision-making. Remember, it's not just emotion. It's a decision that we all intentionally make. I am going to love the lost. Why? Because that is the very heart of God. That is why God sent his son to die on the cross. Because he loved. Because he is love. 
and loving the lost, just getting down very practical means, I'm going to have my prayer list of those that I know that don't know Christ as their Savior. I'm going to take time to lift them up to before God in prayer. Loving the lost means going and telling them the good news about the love of God. And loving the lost means I am going to use my life to demonstrate to them the love that God has for them. Why do you think we call it share the love and the grub? Because it's so much more than just handing, handing out boxes of food. Here, take it, go. We want them first and foremost to experience why we do what we do. If it's not have its foundation in love, it is worthless. Love. Why do you think we're doing this Operation Christmas Child? Because we want a child to open up that box and in that moment with those things that we look at it that total or some total of $25. So how, how expensive could it be? But to a child who experiences love, it is priceless. You can't put a price on stuff like that. You see? That's why we do what we do. That's why we support missions because missions are our hands extended going out throughout the whole world. And what are they going out there to do? I want to let you know about the God who loves you and died for you. It, the gospel is the gospel of love, brothers and sisters. And you and I need to recognize Living in love doesn't mean we just have this love fest in church where, hey, hey, we, we, we got it all together here and everybody here is a family and we're tight and all that. And that's wonderful. That's just the first base. But then we got to recognize there's a whole world out there that God wants to reach with his love. And you are our, his hands. You are his feet. You are his mouth. You and I. That's the mission of the church. That every believer would take this love of God to the lost. Why? Because love is the currency of heaven. Amen. Now, I talked about just laying a little foundation here about the importance of love that we all need to be reminded of. That it, it begins in our home, and it carries on when we gather here, and then we have to take it outside into this world, into our community, to let people know about this incredible love. Now, the manifestation of love has so many different character traits to it, but I felt in my heart to just talk about two in these closing few moments that we have. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which gives us a list of some of the characteristics of love, there's two there that I want to look at in verse 4 where it says, love is, say it with me, patient and, love is patient and kind. I want to talk about patience and kindness this morning. The word patient there literally means to suffer long. That's what it means. And it means 
It's written in the Greek, it's reading in the passive tense. And what that means is love is passive when it comes to suffering. Let me break it down even more. Love never, ever retaliates. Doesn't doesn't get back. Doesn't hurt for hurt. In other words, when something at home isn't right, and and there's someone that uh, uh, in the family that says or does something that hurts, love says, I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to get back. I'm not going to supply jab for jab, hurt for hurt. When we come into church and somebody doesn't treat you the way you should be treated, and that does happen in church. We've already established we're all in here a bunch of messed up people that God brought together as a church family, and we're all working all of our uh, insecurities out. We're all working our faults and our, our imperfections out. So it stands to reason It's only natural that in the course of a church life, somebody is going to say or do something or not do something to offend you. To think otherwise is foolish. It's only setting yourself up for failure because no one in church is perfect. So when Pastor Jason says the things that he shouldn't say, I have a decision to make. Remember, love begins first and foremost with a decision. Forget about how you feel. Well, but I don't feel like it. It's not about how you feel. Love is an act of your will. I will not retaliate. I won't say anything to get back. I'm not going to do anything to get back. There's many of us in the course of our home that we go through so much struggles at home simply because we are on that, the ground of the flesh, the sinful nature. You hurt me, I hurt you back. And we profess to love each other, but that is not love because love is patient. If I, I love the old King James Version because it literally spells it out literally. Love is long-suffering. Listen to what it means. If you're not suffering, you're not loving. Well, but shouldn't church be a place where you don't suffer? Unfortunately, no. You're going to suffer in church. You're going to suffer. You're going to suffer at home. Is there a home in this house that's never had a disagreement? There isn't. There's no such thing. In every home, in every church, in every community, there's always going to be issues. But the Bible teaches us, if you want to live in love, you got to suffer long. Well, here's the, here's the problem. Can you define long for me, pastor? 
put a time frame on there just so that I know, like, okay, pastor said five minutes. I'm going to wait five minutes. I wish there was a time, but God never puts a time on it. No, we have to suffer long. We have to be passive. Not only that, love is kind, which literally means love acts benevolently. Now, this word is an active word in the Greek, which means while patience means passive, don't do anything, kindness says, here's what you do do. Do something good. So that means when Yvonne hurts me, and that's very rare, it's usually the other way around, but when she does hurt me, I'm not going to retaliate. That, that's patient. In fact, I'm going to do something good. She hurt me, I'm going to buy her a diamond ring. Somebody say, Pastor done lost his mind. <laughs> All the men just say, I'm out of this church. This is a crazy church. <laughs> She's like turning to his wife. Don't you listen to that man. <laughs> just a little humor to lighten up the moment. But you get the picture. Instead of retaliating with something bad, Choose to retaliate with something good. And by the way, that good is defined as the person would look at it as good. You know. In other words, if, if, if Vaughn hurts me, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something good. Honey, I'm going to give you the best kiss you've ever had in my life. She's like, that ain't good. I don't want that. <laughs> Getting me the diamond, now that's good. <laughs> In other words, we, we got to look at it and say, Holy Spirit, I was just hurt. I'm sure that that usher didn't think about that. I'm sure that Pastor Tom didn't think about this, that it would hurt, but it did. I'm not going to hold it against them. In fact, I want to bless Pastor Tom. I want to bless that usher. What can I do, Father? To bless that person. You see where I'm going with that? Man, this is totally different. Pastor Jason, if you would just come, please. In simple terms, in times of hurt, love blesses. In times of hurt. Now, I think by now, we've all been reminded afresh and anew that the kind of love that the Bible outlines is nearly impossible in and of ourselves. This is a godly love that the Bible is describing. One that you and I don't possess naturally, but it is part of the character of Christ. It is part of the attributes of the Holy Spirit. Which is why I would encourage all of us today in a few moments to recognize we need to pray. Because we are living in caustic times.
times. We're living in atmosphere that is filled with anger and rage and slander and violence and selfishness. And it has infiltrated our home life. It's infiltrated our church life, our communities. And if you and I breathe in this negative air spiritually, it will destroy us. And the only counter we have is to go to God. Because God is love. If you're having difficulty loving one another at home, then go to God. Say, God, your love is not in our evident in our home. It's not evident in my life. I'm falling short right now. And we're dealing with the consequences at home because of that. So, Father, would you forgive me and would you fill me afresh and anew with a, a baptism of love so that I can be patient, so that I can be kind, especially when I'm in a situation where somebody does something or says something to hurt me. When things don't go well on my job or in my community, I want to be able to recognize the currency of heaven. That the only thing that can make the home strong, the only thing that can make the church strong, the only thing that can make the community strong, the only thing that can keep me personally strong is love. And if we will be baptized in that love, we will see God do some amazing things in our midst. Stand with me today.